watching the Wizards show. You already know what it is. The CNC show for short. Corbin, Carthen, we're back at it. We are dropping this by the time y'all listen to this, the day of the deadline. And we got some we got some interesting developments that have shaken out here recently, Carthen, that may impact the Wizards. We'll get into that in a minute. But first, want to remind everyone to check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos. Also, Ethos Wizards. Carthen does a great job putting up content numbers. going to be some video stuff, more coming up soon, excuse me there. So check out Ethos Wizards as well, at Ethos Wizards. For Sports Ethos, just in general, a lot of great stuff, basketball, football, baseball, all that. Um, got a long trade deadline show uh, today, of which yours truly will be a part of, so definitely make sure to check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. One more time, on Twitter, at SportsEthos, SportsEthos.com. Before we get to the recent trades that have dropped on the day that we're recording, which is the 8th of February, uh, we do have to talk about the Wizards' most recent game, Carthen. They did play just the sad sack Charlotte Hornets of which I do a podcast with them, and oh man, it's sad. And they beat them 118 to 104. Just, I mean, with that, Christoph Porzingis, a big part of how they got the victory there. Um, real quick on his numbers, 36 points and 9 rebounds. You had 20 points and 13 boards for Denny. Uh, 17 points, 10 assists for Bradley Beal. 10 assists as well for DeLon Wright. That backcourt, 20 dimes. Okay. Uh, just nice passing of the ball. So, Gonna throw it over to Carthen. First, how you doing, my friend? Second, what did your takeaways from this game? Because I mean, just from seeing that backcourt, seems that like there was a lot of ball movement. Oh, well, it was definitely a lot of ball movement going on. They got they started a little slow uh to begin the game, but it picked up a lot about the second quarter a little before the second quarter, but it and then once the second quarter hit it it was all go. I mean, Christoph Porzingis eight three pointers tonight. He hit eight three pointers. He was stroking it. He was knocking them down. <laughs> he was knocking them down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even uh, Daniel Gaffer was taking uh, jump shots. He knocked wow. he knocked one down early, and it made uh, it made Charlotte have to respect his his ability to shoot the ball. And so it, it just added another di- uh, dynamic to the team, which was a, a, a excellent thing for today. Absolutely. I think that, like you said, you have that ball moment. You had guys, you know, the spacing important because you look at that lineup and, I mean, DeLon Wright's not really a shooter, right? Danny obviously not really a shooter. Daniel Gafford, not a shooter. So you're like, wow, it's a lot of pressure on Chris Stops and Bradley Beal, you know, to have some space. But they seem to make it happen. Now, first, it is Charlotte. So, like, their bottom five in offensive rating, defensive rating, net rating, it's not like they had a lot of resistance, really. But at the same time, it's refreshing to see. I mean, Chris Stops not going to knock down nine threes, but, you know, he can hit them. Danny obviously had no problem piling up points tonight. Um, like you said, Daniel Gafford has some comfort in a jump shot, just a little thing, even if it's like a mid-ranger, you know, that's nice as well. Um, that seems good off the bench, you know, not a whole lot of scoring, but Kendrick Nunn had six points and four rebounds. You had seven points from Anthony Gill, Corey Kisper brought four, Jordan Goodman brought four. You know, this isn't nothing going to ride right home about, you know, and the starters logged heavy minutes. Every starter played about 30 minutes, Daniel Gafford one minute short, 29, but you had something about this lineup that you wanted to bring to our attention here, Carthen. What did you see looking at this squad, um, specifically, like you said, in terms of having DeLon Wright in this starting lineup with absent Monte Morris? 
One thing about having DeLon Wright in, in the starting lineup was we had a big guard. So we had somebody that we could send at um, LaMelo that could play, have some kind of resistance. He's a defensive-minded guard as well as he's 6'5". I was starting backcourt. I was starting normal backcourt both for 6'3". So that gives us a little extra height, especially when you've got a point guard that's 6'7 on the other team. And because of that, it allowed us to be able to be more of a traditional type of de- – play a traditional type of defense where we didn't have to send multiple bodies at him because he's so much taller than the guys that are checking him. Um, also with this lineup, having Denny in the starting lineup allowed for more defense on uh, on the lineup where we were able to send more people towards uh, Gordon Haywood – um, we were able to spend, send bit, uh, bigger bodies towards people like P.J. Walker and stuff like that, where these guys who have traditionally knocked down threes against us were not able to do so because we were able to use our length, but we also had guys in that were defensive-minded uh, guys. It also helped that Kelly Oubre didn't play because ever since we done traded him, he been, he, he's a wizard killer. So... <laughs> That is fun, but I, I guess my next question is: When you look at this lineup, like you said, it was more traditional. It was nice to have you know bigs in that way, right? Um, that could kind of switch, could have some versatility, but also had that length, had that wingspan. You know, could make an impact, right? At the same time that you saw that, what do you take into consideration, realizing that this is like the worst team in the Eastern Conference? It's not, to be honest with you, it's more or less you got to take what the team did together. It, you can't really take into consideration that they played to the level that they played at outside of the fact that they had so many assists as a team. I mean, you look at as a team, they had 29 assists. That's a high number for for the team. They out rebounded the, uh, Charlie, which normally doesn't happen. Normally they out rebound us, but we out rebounded them by twelve today. We had eleven offensive boards. We had twelve blocks for a team today. Y'all were to going go with stats. Y'all were going go, stats for sure. To go with the four steals. Now we gave up a lot of steals. They had eleven steals. Uh, today, but Charlotte is the number three team in the league at uh, at deflections. So that doesn't surprise me that they had 11 steals because that's something that's one of their signature calling cards. Um, pretty pretty high on turnovers today. We had 16. Uh, they they forced 16 turnovers. We shot we shot pretty well at the three. I mean, of course, with Kristoff uh, knocking down eight threes today. Shot 41% from the three-point line and 51% total uh, for our field goals. That's helpful. So, you know, when you're playing against a team that's struggling like Charlotte, they did what they were supposed to do. You beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. You steal a couple games from the teams that you're that you're not that you're quote unquote not supposed to beat. And you try to stay above 500 on the teams that are comparable. Today they beat a team they were supposed to beat. 
That's true. That's true. Taking care of business. Honestly, it's a sign of at least a competent team. If you can do that, uh, which the Lakers are not against the Thunder, you know, then you can look back and go, okay, hey, you know, it's not a lot, like you said, not nothing to write home about, but it's doing what you're supposed to do. And uh, you got to say it. However it happens, it's nice that you get nine threes from Kristaps, that you shoot that well. And like you said, the offsets, if you're engaged, if you're active, if you're making that effort, it'll pay off. And that's something I'll translate regardless, you know, whether it's the Hornets or the Clippers or the Bucks or the or the Suns, it doesn't matter. So I definitely see why you're encouraged by that, and I would be as well. Um, but here we are. We are literally, as a recording, on the cusp of the NBA trade deadline. And wow, we had some moves here. We did. Uh, let's first talk about, the. I want to say the first official big move. I should, you know, respect to Rui Hachimura. You know, that was that was a move that kicked off this deadline, right? Um, the Gorgie Jang move was the official move that kicked off the deadline. But if we're looking at the first three-team trade with some actual ramifications that you would look forward to and say, okay, this is going to make an impact both this season and next, you look no further than the three-team trade that was done between the Los Angeles Lakers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Utah Jazz. So I'm going to break it down right here, and we're going to talk about some potential Wizards ramifications from this. Um, the Lakers agreed to a deal to land Minnesota's D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt, which is hilarious because I said they're Minnesotas, but they're really Utahs, but they played Minnesota. Bottom line, the Lakers are going to receive D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt from the Utah Jazz. The Timberwolves will receive Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Picks. The Jazz will receive Russell Westbrook, Juan Descano-Anderson, Damian Jones, and a 2027 Lakers first-round pick that is top four protected. If the Lakers pick to the Jazz is not conveyed in 2027, it falls in the top four. Then that means the pick immediately converts to a 2027 second round pick. Now, we're not going to go into all the details because at the end of the day, other trade shows would do that. And we're, we, we've basically covered the, the, the basis of this. The reason this is impactful is because what it can mean for the Wizards. Because D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Barry Mil- Vanderbilt, they are staying with the Lakers. Uh, you can presume that Nikhil Alexander-Walker is going to stay with the Wolves, although they have to cut a player to make space for him. Mike Conley was sought out from the Timberwolves to kind of find some balance, have some chemistry through to go bear, play alongside Anthony Edwards without stunting his development as an older guard, right? Jazz, that's where things get interesting. Wanda Scott-Anderson, Damian Jones, I'm sure they'll be on there. Damian Jones has a contract the next year. Wanda Scott-Anderson's a young guy, you know, they can help him out a little bit. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook in the Utah Jazz? Don't see that happening. And it's already been reported that he is likely to be bought out. Uh, you can almost put 100% on that one, in my opinion. There's no way Utah wanted him, aside from the chance to get a pick um, and to get off the contract. There's no way Russ wants to be there. Two teams have already immediately come to mind as teams interested in Russell Westbrook, one being Los Angeles Clippers, the other being the Chicago Bulls, which is, which is unique and interesting. But Carthen. What do you think about this trade, first of all? And what do you think about Russell Westbrook being a free agent? What, what, what is your hope for this guy who, you know, he's been interesting, 34, you know, not had one of his career normal seasons, but, you know, 15.9 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, and 7.5 assists off the bench. Well, the trade is interesting because the Lakers got a bunch of players the Lakers already had before this year. and. <laughs> and I want to hear that. I want to hear that. I'll come they had to give up a first round pick just to get him back. Whatever, but, whatever. It's been three years, Carthen. It's been three years. 
When Malik Beasley was with y'all last year. No, no, no. Let me know. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Hold on. Malik. None of those guys are with us last year. Michael Beasley we had three years ago. Uh, we never had Malik Beasley. We had D'Angelo Russell three years ago, but yeah. we traded him in 2018 to Brooklyn. That's true. That, yeah, I'm so thinking we, of somebody. I'm sorry. I am thinking of somebody different. It's okay. I'm about to say, put some respect on our name, Carson. Anyways. I, ap- <laughs> I apologize, but still. Mm-hmm. Y'all traded, y'all traded the snitch. That's what they called him back then. <laughs> and then y'all got him back and had to give him the first round pick to get him back. Which is, I think, what y'all got for him initially when you traded him. So essentially you broke even. There we go. Um, but the trade was interesting. I mean, I can see why why uh, Minnesota did what they did. They needed a veteran point guard, somebody to write that ship. They got a lot of good pieces there, but they don't have the leadership that's needed to get them where they need to be going. And that's what they that's what they went and got leadership. Um, Utah is interesting because they were so hot in the beginning of the year. They can't they've cooled off, but team chemistry wise, I don't see where this t- where this trade helps mm. in any way because they didn't get. The pick, the pick, the the first round pick that came from the Lakers, mm-hmm. they didn't get. So I don't understand how this benefits them. However, the Russell Westbrook part to me is the most intriguing because if they buy him out, if I was Tommy, I'd be on the phone with him, with his agent, as soon as I possibly could. Because when Russell Westbrook was here, Bradley Bill had his best year of his career. What Russell Westbrook brings to a team is something that you can't teach. Something that this team desperately needs. And that's that leadership and that fire to get underneath of everybody to make everybody thrive. I mean, you think about it, Russell Westbrook, two years ago when he was here, or two seasons ago, because we're in the midst of the second season, he averaged a triple-double. That was no fluke. Russell Westbrook, like I told you in many shows and uh, a few shows ago when we had a discussion about Russell, is Russell struggling because of the LeBron factor. We had a conversation about that, and it's it's a real thing. And we all know it. Not everybody can play with LeBron. Not everybody's going to thrive when it comes to LeBron. A lot of players have had to take stat-reducing uh, – th- their stats have taken a hit from from other years to play with LeBron. And when people have left LeBron, regardless of wherever the stop was that he was at, you've had a lot of people careers thrive away from him. And Russell Westbrook is no different. I think when Russell, when Russell get, uh, if he gets bought out by Utah, if he even stays in Utah, Russell's going to thrive again because Russell can do what Russell does. 
he does not have to be under the wing of LeBron because the reality of it is, is they play similar. Their, their style of play is very similar. They're very aggressive, offensive-minded players. They, they are ball-dominant offensive players. They are facilitators. They command the offense. And because of that, they were not, they were never destined to be able to play well together. Because that was that they both played the same style of basketball. So once he leaves, or now that he's gone, wherever he ends up, he'll be able to go back to playing his style of basketball. Yeah. And I can tell you if it was me. If I was Tommy, I'd be on the phone with Russell's agent the second I caught wind that it, that Utah was going to buy him out. Because if they if they do, putting Russell Westbrook with our starting five that we currently have would be a very tough out. It would. It would. I, I get what you mean. And you do have to let Russ be Russ. That's that's what you hear all the time. And I don't know if he was able to do that with the Lakers. Actually, I do know. He wasn't able to be that with the Lakers. In moments he was. Off the bench he was. But you can't hide his limitations. Yeah, but just imagine this. Just imagine this. You put Russell Westbrook with the shooting ability of Bradley Bill, the shooting and playmaking ability of Kyle Kuzma, the shooting ability of pick and pop or pick and and uh, roll ability with a uh, crypto, and then the lob threat of Daniel Gaffer. Sound it's, it's, it's you give him some weapons and he has some chemistry. That's true. That's a tough out. He wanted to play with Daniel Gaffer. He begged for Daniel Gaffer to, to to be able to play with him because he knew that he could. He, I mean, hell, you think about it. He made Daniel Gafford, who Daniel Gafford was known as, mm-hmm. the lob threat and all that other stuff. Threat, room rolling big, yep. He made he made that forty four million dollar contract for Daniel Gafford. I can agree with can that. You imagine you put him there. Like I said, he set Bradley Bill up for easy jumpers. Just imagine you. He got the lob threat. He, he he's one of the best pick and roll uh, guards ever. And then you give him the ability to pick and roll, pick and pop. He has a pick and, he has a guy that can roll. He has a guy that can he has a guy that can pop. And then he's got two very good shooting wings. You pick your poison. You can't with Russell Westbrook that you cannot double team anybody. You which means now Russ can play, go back to playing the way Russ is, and don't even get double teamed in the in the paint. Well, Just imagine him him driving down the, down the hole. The only thing that's going to stop the, the only thing that would stop the Wizards at that point is free throws, because Russ can't shoot him. Kyle Kuzma ain't the greatest. Mm-hmm. Daniel Gafford's average, and then the other two are really really good. But again, you got to really pick your poison because you get a pick and roll going with him and KP. KP pops. Daniel Gafford rolls on off the same pick and off the same play that Nash, him and yeah, KP did. 
now you are in a now you're really in a pickle because now you got that going. You got Kyle Kuzma going to the corner, and he could just dish it out there to him, and he shoot the shot off the, off the corner. And Kyle Kuzma has become one of the best corner three point shooters in the game. And now you got Bradley Bill lurking somewhere. You you got to figure out where Bradley is. So now it's like, what do I do? Who I see do what I you're saying. Well, I mean, okay. Well, here's my so, thing. Huh? Continue, continue, please. I was gonna say. So you just imagine. That right there as a starting five. And you still have the ability to make other moves to shore up your bench. Like I said, for instance, we had a conversation last last uh pod where we talked about a guy who 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 played for the team that we played against tonight in the Charlotte Hornets. And guess what? He didn't even get no minutes tonight, which means they trying to keep him from getting injured to possibly make a move. So just imagine the Wizards turn around and go trade for Nick Richards to back up Daniel Gafford. So now you done put another big, rolling, athletic, above-the-rim big man to back up Daniel Gafford on the second unit to put in that can, that can go in. Daniel Gafford get injured. It's like pulling Daniel Gafford out to put Daniel Gafford back in. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Listen, in theory, it, it makes sense. I, I guess my question would be this. Do you worry about the lack of spacing? Bradley Bill's a shooting guard is below average from three. You look but at there is no there is no spacing issue. How, how because you, how you, you got because you have Kristoff. You had the, the reason there's no spacing is because the guys that they have that can shoot are guys you really have to worry about. Okay, but who is so, that? If you bring Russ in and Nick Richardson, who are those guys? It's just Chris you, you still you still have Bradley Bill that's there. He's you still have Chris. But again, we had a discussion. Bradley Bill is best when he is a spot-up shooter. You give him the ball, he don't got to put the ball on the ground. He just catch and shoot. That's where he's at his best. Okay. The year he at the year he was second in the league in scoring, he did a lot of that because of Russell Westbrook. Russell West, he didn't have to do a lot of uh driving to the basket, facilitating and doing all that other stuff. Because Russell Westbrook did it for him, and because he still had the uh, respect of the, the the players in the NBA, Bradley Bill was able to thrive off of that. Kyle Kuzma will be able to thrive off of that. Again, when you have two big bigs like the Wizards have, where one of them can do both and pick and roll and pop, and then you got that other big that can that rolls hard to the basket. When you you can't double team Russell Westbrook on the roll, on the pick and roll, because now you got to pay attention to whether he's going to pop it out to Kristoff's, pop it out to Brad, catch somebody coming on, catch, catch uh, Kuz coming on a, uh, on, catch him coming out the corner on a, on a cut and addition to him on a cut. And that's an easy layup. Then you got first, the, the big man has to step up and stop Russell Westbrook from driving to the basket and, and laying the ball up. And then when he does that, now when he steps up, he can throw the ball up and lob it up to, to Nick Richards or Daniel Gafford. And they and now here we go with them. They getting alley easy, easy spoon fed alley oops because you gotta respect Russ driving to the basket. So now nobody can be double teamed because the spacing is where it needs to be. 
but you also have the big men that's in there that command that, that commands respect from whoever is checking them. So now comes into play. All right, now what do we do? Then you turn around and you got uh Russell Westbrook's. I, I'm I'm gonna call him this, but it's, it's no disrespect to him. Mm-hmm. But you got Russell Westbrook's rookie vet. I mean rookie uh pet. Because okay. he took a lot of he took a lot of interest in the Denny Avi. A ton of interest in the Denny Avi. Denny Avi has raved about Russ. And when Russ plays against him, he he Russ still to this day jumping Denny's butt. If Denny don't do something that he's supposed to do, even though they're on opposite teams. Yeah. Russ has never yeah. done that to anybody in his career. Anybody you ever hear talk about Russ, they talk about we hate him when he ain't on our team, and we love him when we play with him. Denny Avdi is the only person that both Russ and Denny have raved about when even when they're not playing together. That's true. Denny Avdia, if you watch the way he's been playing here recently, he's been playing like a Russell Westbrook light. Very aggressive, getting to the hole, nonstop, using his body, using his weight, using using what he got to get to the basket and do the things they got. The, the dude is now nicknamed Turbo because when he gets the ball, he pushes it. He does. He pushes it just like Russell Westbrook. So he did. picked that up from him. Yes. So all of that to be said, and then you have Corey, Corey Kispert that's on the bench that will be on the bench. That's another shooter that you can put in the game that can that will be able to be get easy spoon fed three point shots from a guy like Russell Westbrook. So when you turn around and you put someone like that into play with this team. And not, not to mention, you get a guy like Jordan Jordan uh, Goodwin who could learn from Russell Westbrook, who plays similar to Russell Westbrook, and when it comes to attitude and, and and aggression, you now are putting together something that could be really really hard to stop because of the way that the team, the dynamics of the team can can be portrayed with a good nine ten game man uh, rotation. Mm. Okay, so you're thinking with the impact of Russ, what he has on those young kids who are not so young anymore, but just those guys. I mean, they're still pretty young players. It's only been two years, right? The impact that Russ has on them, the gravity that Russ can bring to the table being a guy who's going to get two feet in the paint, or what's the problem with that? Here's the problem with that, and this is the problem. Russ at 34, right? Still explosive. Mm-hmm. The problem is he might get two feet in the paint. There's no guarantee the ball will. Ball can stay out of bounds. Ball will be a turnover. But Russ is going to definitely de- generate that gravity. But see, here's the thing about it. Mm-hmm. When you want to talk about assist to turnover ratio, Russ has always been a high turnover guy. But if That's you can guarantee me, but if you can guarantee me 10 assists a game or 11 point, whatever it was uh, the year that he played for the Wizards, if you can guarantee me 11, uh, my point guard is every game is going to get me 11 over 11 uh, assists a game, mm-hmm. I can deal with three turnovers a game. But it's more like five, but yes. But again, you got to look at it. You got to look at the, the, the dynamics of the two teams we're talking about here. The Lakers are who they are. 
They are a non-spacing team. You put a guy who needs people that can space the floor on a team where he has nobody that spaces the floor, he's going to create more turnovers because he does not have the ability to put the people, have the people in places that he needs them to be to help him thrive. So if 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 I'm playing with, if I'm a guy that I get downhill and I need people on, on the corners or I need people that are away from me that can, that are known that can knock down shots and so on and so forth. If I need those people to be there, but the people that I have on my team are everybody that wants to be in the paint with me, where does he dish the ball to? Thank you. There's not a lot of options. I don't know why I'm muting myself there, but I see what you're getting at there. That is important to say. I, I think, okay, let me ask you this, because we're going to kind of roll this into our last question here as well. Um, you bring up the, what Russell Westbrook brings to the table, right? We've seen the strengths. He helped carry that team. He enabled Bradley Beal to be a much more um, efficient scorer, right? He brought the best of these young guys. He's the king of turning chicken ish into chicken salad. He's not just, he's just not very good with chicken salad, right? But he's good at raising a roster above the sum of its parts. And so he can do that in Washington and also have a floor space he's never had in Christoph Porzingis. Because Anthony Davis wasn't that guy. And if you look through his career, he's always played with power forwards who are more ground bound. You know, Serge Ibaka didn't start getting the jumper till late in the OKC tenure. You know, PJ Tucker was only shooting from the corner. So, you know, played center. You didn't have a lot of that. So I'll give you that. This will be an improvement for both Russ and for the Wizards. But we're going we're gonna to throw a little wrinkle here and have a little compare contrast going on here. The Clippers are no longer interested in John Wall. Uh, he's been battling an abdominal strain, so he hasn't been playing in the last couple of games anyway. But they are pretty set on either trading him before the trade deadline by the time folks listen to this or letting him go in terms of a buyout. If John Wall's available, his market is a little less robust than Westbrook's because Westbrook's been pretty good, had some six man of the year buzz going on, has been, you know, mostly productive stat, you know, box score wise. What? Hell, his last game with the Lakers, 27 points, knocked down four threes, you know, gave you the Russell Russell experience. John Wall's definitely lost a step or two and has not been as uh, productive across the board as Westbrook. But with that being said, Washington legend, 10 years. You know what he's done in the community. You know what he's given back, right? You have the option of Russ or Wall. One's probably more available. The other's probably still available as well. But it's like the one who's more available not as good, you know, the one who is less available has his warts, but probably has more suitors. Who are you picking and why? And I know you got some Washington listeners, so I, I urge you to be very careful of this answer. So I'm going to answer with my head and I'm going to answer with my heart. I love it. We'll start with my heart. My heart is John Wall because what John Wall brings to what John Wall has meant to this community. As a native Washingtonian, someone who is from Southeast D.C., which is one of the areas that John Wall has been the most uh, helpful to during his tenure, because that's one of the poorer parts of Washington, D.C. I would love for him to come back. I honestly think that if he did come back, 
he might have a better time now than he did before because John Wall is a point guard similar and, and built in a similar fashion of a Russell Westbrook. But he's never had the talent around him like Russell Westbrook has had in the past, even when it was just him and, and Bill. They never really had the talent that he that the Wizards have currently today. But to answer with my head, I would want Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook brings more to the table. He still has that fear factor in the players of the NBA where John Wall does not. They're not fearing John Wall driving to the basket anymore like he did when he was in, in his prime in Washington in, in the 15-16-ish area of the of Washington Wizards basketball when we took Boston to seven games in uh in the first in the uh, second round they almost made it to Eastern Conference Finals. No one's fear no one has fear for of John Wall becoming that guy again. Russell Westbrook they still fear. Russell Westbrook two years ago took this same Washington team that everybody in there uh, that that I don't care if you're as blind as Ray Charles is. <laughs> you can see that the Wizards team that John, that Russell Westbrook played that year was a horrible roster that he took to the playoffs. Stevie Wonder could see that. Yeah. So it, it, it don't matter who it don't matter what blind person you want to pick. <laughs> they saw it. I ain't trying to call everyone out, bro. <laughs> I'm not saying you're you right. calling it, but it, I mean, no, I know what you they mean. blind, I know what you they said. blind. I know what but they, they saw how bad that that roster was. Oh, this is a That's how this bad is a it was. Hell they yeah. saw. Uh-huh. They can't see nothing else, but they saw that roster. <laughs> so you turn around and you take this roster here that they have. Mm-hmm. Honestly, with either one of them, it's an improvement. Mm-hmm. Because, but Russell Westbrook would be, if I had to choose between the two, if I put on my GM hat, and said, yeah. and said, it's your job to make this team the best that they can be, mm-hmm. regardless of who it is that is available. Yeah. I'm taking Russell Westbrook over John Wall 100% of the time at this <laughs> point in each, in, at this point in their careers. I like it. And, I think that makes sense. Huh? And, but if Russell Westbrook was not available and John Wall was, and he was willing to come back home, yeah. I'd take him in a heartbeat. Because even the John Wall of today still has enough respect of the people that his drive game and his passing ability will still put fear in other teams. And the same things that I was saying about Russell Westbrook, John Wall can still do a lot of it just not at the level of Russell Westbrook. But it's still better than what, it's still better than what we have currently on our roster when it comes to aggression at the point guard position. I get you. Monte Monte Morris is a elite assist to turnover ratio point guard. Mm -hmm. However, his style of basketball is not conducive to maximizing the potential and talent that we currently have. I agree. 
I agree. I think it's going to be fun to see either way. But I'm with you on Monte Morris. I'm running out of time, but I was going to say, I said he's a steady point guard, but I think you do have an upgrade if you get Wall or Westbrook just because of the ceiling that's potentially there. Real quick before we let you go, Carthen, Wizards make a move tomorrow. Or to, by the time folks listen to this, have the Wizards made a move? Yes or no? Yes. All right. I'm going to say no. But we're going to see when we come back, convene here next week, what happened, who was right, who was wrong. By the way, Carthen won the last bet. Uh, I don't remember what episode was, maybe two episodes, three episodes ago now. He said the Wizards had to stretch a game, so they were going to win all four. I said, I don't think so. This is why he's a Wizards expert, and I'm the, I'm the guest host. But any event, Carthen, tell the good folks where they can find you. Find me on Twitter, Carthen NBA. I'm always on there. You can always reach out to me. It's with me 24-7. So if you reach out, I get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Carthen NBA. I'm not on there as much. I haven't really done much of anything on there because I'm not the uh, most tech-savvy person out there. So I, I want to start getting and doing some shorts and doing some videos and stuff like that to post on to my Instagram. Um, and once I start doing that, please definitely reach out. Let me know what you think. You know, I'm always, I, I love collective criticism. I'm not, I'm, I'm not one of those people that think that I'm the best at everything. You can always reach out to me, help me, help me become better. If you, if you think it's something that you, that you hear or you see that I could do better, I'm all ears. So please there reach is. out. You heard it. Find Carthen on Twitter, on Instagram, if you will, and then he's there. Check him out for sure. Um, listen, follow Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, uh, online, sportsethos.com. You can find me if you're so inclined on Twitter and Instagram at CorbinNBA. Uh, same details there. Like Carthen, love feedback, love interaction. We both love talking hoops while we do this. So definitely make sure to check us out there. But listen, y'all, until next time. Enjoy the trade deadline. Relax. Sit back. Carthen, I wish you well, my brother. Enjoy your time as well. Uh, listen, for Carthen, for myself, we are frosty. Y'all stay frosty. And as always, hey, yep. One, one more oh, thing. Hey. Just one more thing out there for you all. We know that the trade deadline is here, but I got to let you know, tomorrow we won't be on. I, um, me and my wife, we're going on vacation. Mm-hmm. So we will come, when me and Corbin come back, We're going to talk all trade deadline stuff.